Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Scenic Podcast. I'm John Owens, the Director of Communications for Scenic. Uh, Scenic is a State Employees Association of North Carolina, if I need to spell that out. Joining me today is the boss, Scenic Executive Director, Artis Watkins. How the are you, The boss. Okay. I'm doing well, John. I'm doing well because it's a beautiful day to be alive, not not well because things are going great for public employees right now. That's true. We're, we'll get we'll get into that in a second. But this it's been an, an exciting week for us over over in Midtown Place. Um, so everyone has a podcast it seems these days. Uh, so why shouldn't Scenic have one, right? So we we kind of put our heads together and kind of came up with this idea. We're going to see how it goes. See if there's an yeah, audience for I it. I think it's needed. I think it's a it's a space in which I can't find anything out there to to listen to. There's some really good uh, state government podcasts, uh, but yeah, uh, industry specific or, or topic specific ones are, are hard to. Yeah, I mean, looking out for all public em- or public employees I, that's hard to find. Yeah, I think a lot of um, podcasts like Under the Dome. Mm-hmm. I listen that's to that a every, great one every, every week, and then uh, you've been on that one several times yeah we've been fortunate enough to be able to go on there a couple of times that's good they have a much maybe more elaborate setup than oh it's yeah it's really cool (laughs) really cool but what are some good podcasts that you like in state government i love the do politics better podcast that brian lewis and sky david do because i think they really boil what's going on in the general assembly down for folks in a very interesting but understandable way so a little plug for do politics better um and then I listen, you know, I like to listen to podcasts about health and things, you know, True listening crime. to a podcast is easier than going to the gym. So I like to do that kind of thing. <laughs> true crime, you, you get into this. You know, crime. I'm not into. Oh, wow. I'm one of the few, I think I'm one of the few women not into that because it's funny. <laughs> so many of my female friends are completely I, I love captivated too. by yeah. it, but no. <laughs> So, um, and I also love the Tim Boyum's podcast. He had one. Yeah, took it took weeks. it national, or yeah. he's in Maine or somewhere this week. A couple of weeks ago, he had one on Star, North Carolina, which is near where I grew up, and I just thought it was fascinating. Um, Star near Bisco. Yeah, yeah. right down the a suburb of Bisco. <laughs> yes, a suburb of Bisco. Uh, so, uh, some of the things we can do on a podcast. I just want to kind of think, brainstorm a little bit. Um, you know, we could do this where we talk talk about the week's events. Several of us just sitting around the table. Uh, we could also do some interviews with some people, mm-hmm. uh, like Dale Falwell, politicians, le- legislators. Uh, we want to do some in depth stories on state government, on state employees, uh, specific um, employees, and things like that. Hopefully, no true crime podcast. No, hopefully. <laughs> no, but I do think, you know, I do think there's a need. Mm-hmm. I think we are blessed enough that local media does um, a, a good job of trying to make sure they cover the big issues that affect state employees or retirees or taxpayers. Because that's, at the end of the day, taxpayers are almost always involved if you're talking about a state employee or a public employee, city, county employee. So, but we can get into these things and, and maybe let in public employees know things they would never get to know if they had to rely on something being a big enough story to make it to the news. Yeah, I think this uh, is a great opportunity for some original content from us. And, um, you know, I was listening to on Tim Boyum's podcast about uh, it was with Travis Fain, who just left WRAL. And he said he wasn't able to get to some of the stories that he wished he could because of the dwindling newsrooms and things like that. And yeah. I mean, that's obviously affected us as well. So 
getting our, our story across is, is a big deal. So let's just dive right into the topics. Uh, we have a couple this week. All right, let's go. So usually in January at Scenic, we get to do maybe some other things besides legislative and advocacy work that um, when the legislature is out of, of session, we get to go out and maybe meet some members and work on marketing plans and things like that for the new year before the session starts again. But this year, it's been very busy, especially with the state health plan. Yeah. Um, there's two topics that I kind of want to touch on. The first one being the one that's just prevalent in everyone's mind uh, from, yes, or from Thursday's uh, meeting, uh, the whole coverage of weight loss drugs, GLP-1. Or is it prevalent in everyone's mind? I <laughs> think there's true. a lot of people that haven't heard one word about this until they maybe go to the doctor and try to get a prescription. Or Yeah, it was pretty interesting that we seem to get more calls from the national media before we got local media coverage of, of this issue. This yeah, week. that is almost always the case when we are involved in an issue with the retirement system Mm -hmm. you know when we were working on investment manager fees and how they were absolutely out of kilter and costing active and retired state employees who never knew that they might be getting um, ripped off by wall street and they never knew but the national media was very interested Mm -hmm. in that i think that those kind of stories do tend to attract more national attention yeah Um, So to recap, uh, on Thursday, the State Health Plan Board of Trustees voted to end coverage of so-called weight loss drugs like Wegovy and Ozempic beginning April 1st. And this is a response to the huge costs of those drugs, costing $1,300 a month in some cases Mm -hmm. for uh, Wegovy. Uh, Wegovy and Ozempic are made by Novo Nordisk, which has plants in Clayton and Durham, North Carolina, where they make these drugs. It's just a very complicated issue. Um, I don't think it is. Okay. Like, I mean, in fairness, I don't think it is. I think that's kind of what we're facing. And we face this again with Wall Street. Yeah. They wanted us to think investment manager fees were complicated. It's really not. You're paying something for a product. And in this case, you're paying for a drug. This drug, according to the research that's been presented by the drug companies, can have really incredibly positive, maybe even life-changing effects or life-saving effects, potentially, in some patients. But they're being sold here to people in the United States, including the state health plan, at a rate four to five times what they're charging anybody in five other countries around the world that they're selling it. The other places in the world where they're selling this drug pay a fraction of what they want us to pay. And the response, the question that you will receive when you say that, uh, I know I saw you do an interview just now with with a reporter. Mm -hmm. Why? Why are they able to do that? Because they can. It's America. And the thing about America is it's the land of the free, but the problem is one of the freedoms is the ability to you name your price, and if you can get it, buddy, good for you. The problem we have with this is that if the company itself says, hey, this is life-changing, in fact, it can be life-saving, then how dare you and why would you mark it up four and five times compared to what you sell it in Europe or Asia for? How dare you do that, especially when you're making it down the road? And then... Our pharmacy benefit manager, which for anybody who's not sure what a pharmacy benefit manager, if you're a public employee, you're wondering, what is a PBM? They're hired by health plans to be the negotiator between the health plan and the pharmaceutical company. So their skill set is supposed to be getting you the best price possible. Our PBM, in this case, CVS Caremark, said, 
hey, we, we're getting you 40%. I think it's 40% off. Basically, it takes the drug from 1300 a month to 800 and some dollars. The problem with that is the maximum price we can find anywhere else in the world per month is three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So we're best case scenario paying two and a half times the maximum price elsewhere in the world, yeah. but nowhere near as low as what most people in the world are paying. And so again, we're back to why because they can. Yeah, let's talk about the the PBM a little further. Um, I obviously was uh, admittedly confused a, a few times during the meeting. I never really thought about that situation. Um, can you explain a little further how we get into a relationship with a PBM and yeah. how that affects the drug costs? Yeah, so like anything in state government, it, there's an RFP. The state health plan has to pick the PBM. My understanding is they pay the PBM. The PBM, it is my understanding, is not making money from the drug companies outside of this fee they're getting paid by the health plan. And the reason they're getting that money from the health plan, again, is to be a top-notch negotiator. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't seem like yeah. it happened in this case. I well, mean, we're, the drug companies are getting away with this in America, period. But I think the difference is in North Carolina, we can't even afford to continue being, you know, what we consider fleeced mm-hmm. in this way anymore because the health plan's running out of money in the next few years. Yeah, we saw a huge presentation about that. They just really laid out. The points. I mean, good on the Sam Watson and his staff are putting that together yesterday. Yeah. I think what was the figure? It was a hundred million dollars expenses over revenue just because of this drug last year for the plan. I think. Yeah. Well, the the bottom line is this one drug or this class of drugs, GLP ones, they call them, is accounting for ten percent of all of the prescriptions written in the plan. Now it's twenty, just shy of twenty four thousand people taking this. One class of drugs, 750,000 people in the plan, but this drug taken by 24,000 is eating up 10% of the yeah. pharmaceutical. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And you had mentioned in another interview that we had worked worked on last week yeah. um, that, you know, weight loss drugs are a sexy topic, and, mm-hmm. and it does call cause attention for this problem, but there are many other drugs that are way overpriced like this. Right. We're just not hearing about what's happening with those. And I think that we, as an organization, it's one of the reasons Scenic exists is to the degree we have the bandwidth in terms of having enough staff time to try to dig into these issues, do public records requests. I think we know coming out of this issue we have to do a lot more digging, um, yeah. and hopefully the, the media will do a lot more digging into what else is out there that we're paying multiple times what the rest of the world does. And hopefully other like-minded organizations will get involved. We were yeah. the only ones in the building yesterday. We so. were the only ones there in, the, uh, in terms of representing public employees and the only ones that spoke on behalf of public employees. And it's really hard to, to make the point that employees do not like what's happening they don't like well the bottom line is they don't like the way the question was posed Mm -hmm. the question was uh you know these novo nordisk and cvs caremark said hey that's the price novo nordisk said hey that's the price cvs said the best we can do is get it down to somewhere between eight and nine hundred bucks yeah the plan said we can't afford that and they said don't know what to tell you so then the plan asked hey what if we just give it to people who have a health condition 
Mm-hmm. Not not even diabetes or pre-diabetes, but other health conditions that rely upon it. And the answer from CVS Caremark was, we can't give you the, the rebate, the discount. Yeah, I thought that was a really impactful part of the, the uh, conversation when the staff went over the, the various programs they had offered to kind of cut these, you know, usage down, utilization management, and every turn they were just turned down by the PBM. Yeah, and so. it's all it's all very, it seems complicated when you first hear about it, but y'all, if you're listening, at the end of the day, it's like this. If you go buy something that was marked up at the store, three or 400% of full list price, and you tell your spouse you got a great deal because you got 40% off of it, your spouse isn't going to buy that, and you will look foolish for saying it. That's where we are. The drug company's marking it up three, four hundred percent compared to the rest of the world. The PBM is saying, but we got you forty percent off, and we're the spouse as the health plan members saying, uh, <laughs> no, that's not a deal. Thanks though. Yeah, and imagine I don't know. It just comes to my mind. Like imagine if instead of four dollars for a gallon of gas, it was like four hundred dollars or you know i mean it's just outrageous amount of of money and we're really the only group standing up and we're kind of like david's little brother fighting goliath you know (laughs) what what struck me was i've never been to a meeting of the board of the retirement plan or of the health plan where the board members were so openly upset maybe even disgusted yeah, uh, with the corporate greed that was happening because we heard um, unconscionable, mm-hmm. heartless, um, being robbed in a back alley. It felt yeah. like being robbed in a back alley. I mean, we heard things out of the board that they get it. They yeah. get it that this is hugely I don't think wrong. any of them really wanted to make that decision yesterday. Yeah. It was a hard one for them. And, uh, and I got to tell you, it was really hard for us to watch what was happening with investment managers with people's retirement money. I mean, yeah. that's what people are relying on when they when they quit working and have to quit working. But this may be worse. Somebody's health care. Yeah. It kind of feels grosser. <laughs> it's so. definitely da- more dangerous. I mean, yeah. So where do we go from here, I guess, is the question everyone wants to know. Yeah, and it's a good question. I think that the main thing that organizations like Scenic have to do is is educate. We have got to get – so if you're listening, if you happen to be – and we just started this thing. So if you're like one of the three people that might hear it this week, (laughs) and you go back into your workplace, talk to people. Let them know this is happening. Did you know this happens with our health plan? Because – Again, the options presented were pay this outrageous amount and run out of money in the health plan or double the premium for every single person in the plan, whether they're taking the drug or not. Yeah. So, you know, that's a tough position. Our membership is all over the map. What bothers me is that if you pose it like that, that puts, A, no responsibility on the industry. But, B, it makes employees Point the finger at each other. Yeah, it pits them against mm-hmm. each other. And I didn't like that part of it either. Um, it's like you said, it, when you do that, you're, you're leaving out the, the real problem, you know? that. Oh, I said villain. Yeah. yeah. The real- I mean, <laughs> if you villainize each other for needing a medication and wanting the plan to provide it, you're missing the point because the problem isn't your coworker that needs the medication. The problem is... The industry that's absolutely, so far, completely unwilling to work with the health plan to negotiate anything different, anything between what feels like highway robbery and and what they pay in the rest of the world. 
do you think there'll be any kind of appetite for legislation on this? Because I know what Senator Perry spoke out today on Twitter um, mentioned about PBMs, and I don't know. I just thought I would ask you that. Um, I doubt it. I doubt that legislation would pass. I think that certainly a few years ago when the Treasurer Falwell tried to kind of hold the reins back on spending, hospital spending, with the clear pricing project where he said, hey, we need to fix a maximum for these reimbursement rates for hospitals. Hospitals have a pretty powerful lobby, but their lobby is pretty eclipsed by the pharmaceutical lobby. In fact, nationally, big pharma is the big lobbyist and PBMs are second to that, I think, in terms of that industry, so. Here's a clip from Artis Watkins speaking at the State Health Plan Board of Trustees last Thursday. for listening to what we have to say. As we sat through the meeting in October and then have heard from members of our organization in the meantime, we heard two options, basically. That there stop being coverage for anybody who needs these uh, prescriptions for weight loss, or that the cost for every single member of the plan would basically double in order to cover those costs. Both of those things put an onus on the plan members. And this is supposedly, the health plan is supposedly a benefit to try to bring people into state government. A state government that is at 23% vacancy overall, and in some prisons in excess of 60% vacancy. How in the world are we going to bring people into state government? Will we keep putting every problem that's not caused by employees back on the employees? So I'm here to ask a few questions. Where would we get the money if we don't get it from employees? Well, there's the legislature. To think that the legislature's going to bridge that gap or Director Walker's going to recommend bridging that gap in the governor's budget, I think is unlikely. But I also think it's unfounded. If you do that, then where's the money? That's taking general fund money that would go to other very important causes like state employee races, like other vital public programs. What we're leaving out of this equation entirely is what we leave out as a nation. We're leaving out the question of why. Why are the price tags what they are on these prescriptions? Especially why in light of the fact that they are sold in Western Europe at a fraction of the cost. And we know the why. The why is because we allow this in this country. We encourage this in this country. It is absolutely unacceptable that we are getting hit on both ends, that a company that produces medication here in Clayton, North Carolina, and in Durham, North Carolina, turns around and puts a price tag four times what it is in most of the rest of the world. That is an insult. But for these employees, it's a matter of their health. Studies do show this helps. Employees are testifying it helps. If it helps so much, why make it out of reach and basically hold a ransom over everyone and expect the government to pay it and then not to be able to pay people a wage? This does get paid for by employees if there's not a better answer. Okay, artists. So, what um, what can the average member do? What can Scenic do? What where do we go from here? I guess. Well, again, the first thing people in the plan need to do is not blame each other. Don't blame somebody else because they need the medication. 
And don't blame if you need the medication and a coworker doesn't want to have to pay twice the premium for you to have it. Don't blame them for that feeling because all those feelings are real. So don't blame each other. Y'all aren't the ones at fault. Don't blame the board of trustees of the health plan because basically what they were doing yesterday was by necessity. They have to keep the plan afloat. If your plan runs out of money, all of this is meaningless discussion, and they're trying to keep that from happening. The people to blame here are the ones charging you four and five times the amount for the drug and the people who tell you the best we can do is get you a 40% discount on that four or $500 markup. And that is Novo Nordisk and CVS Caremark. So you're thinking to yourself, how in the world am I, regular state employee, going to fight the corporate healthcare machine? You have to, A, Educate yourself and everybody you work with that you've heard this, that it's going on. And you know what? Go to our website, www.scenic.org. You can follow that to how to contact your legislator. Let them know that this is absolutely insane and that something needs to be done about it. Um, And I would also send a message to the State Health Plan Board of Trustees that you don't want them to pay outrageous amounts, but that you do expect the people they work with to get them a good product at a good price. Yeah, Uh, and it's an election year, so maybe... maybe Yes, anybody running for treasurer, by the way, and there's a bunch of (laughs) y'all, anybody running for treasurer of the state of North Carolina, please, please be committed to not letting this kind of thing happen, taking advantage of the members of the plan, because we have been spoiled by Treasurer Falwell. He has absolutely stood up for the members of the plan and for the taxpayers against all this shenanigans. And so if you're running for Treasurer of the state in North Carolina, please don't let this kind of thing happen. But more importantly, if you're getting ready to vote in the election in November, folks, whoever the candidates are, see where they stand on issues like this. It's imperative. So in the meantime, what Scenic as an organization will do is continue to press this issue with the media and including the national media and and continue educating all of our members because the one thing that people who are charging you outrageous amounts don't really want is for the world to know the amounts they're charging you because they're probably charging the world those amounts too. So the best tool we have is sunlight. Yeah, and we have a, a few stories that are expected to come out next week about from national outlets, New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. So, yeah, we're just going to keep pounding the message. Um, Absolutely. Let's move on to the other topic that I've... Can, we can just briefly talk about this one. I know we spent a lot of time on that one. Not that this is a, a smaller issue, but it's maybe a, a few weeks past, but the whole issue with UNC and ECU Health, mm-hmm. if you don't know, the state budget allowed for UNC Health and ECU Health to create their own retirement system, basically, um, I know I don't ex- fully understand about the health plans uh, part of that <laughs> issue, yeah. but maybe you can tell us a little. Well, bit about what we that. heard yesterday was that um, the state health plan thinks that people are already being enrolled, new employees in an alternate health plan, which that's absolutely going to have a huge financial effect as well on the state health plan. Without getting into the nitty gritty, because that really would bore everybody, but. Yeah. The bottom line is the state health plan position is if UNC Health, and I think ECU Health, to my understanding, has not, they don't think they've done that, but if UNC Health wants to start, you know, putting people in a different health plan, then they have a bill to pay to the state health plan 
Because remember, what are they leaving with the state health plan? Folks who worked at UNC Health and yeah. aren't, aren't there anymore but are still on the health plan or, or people, it's my understanding if people would go on disability, then they get put back in the state health plan. There's a lot of complicated issues. At the end of the day, it boils down to money. Mm-hmm. So UNC Health, if they do that, the health plan is looking to recoup money from them because that takes that, that hurts the plan. Yeah, and I, I would assume that a lot of those new employees are younger, too, and that skews the, the base of the plan, right? Well, yeah. Is that, that would, not a thing? <laughs> that's a thing. I mean, you've got to think your Medic, non-Medicare eligible retirees that UNC Health is leaving with mm-hmm. the health plan to deal with. The health plan has to negotiate those deals. And UNC Health doesn't have any responsibility for that anymore. So that's leaving the folks that are expensive for the folks that are less expensive. And that's not fair and square. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're continuing to watch that issue. Uh, we've worked with the districts over there. Yeah, we've got some good members over there. District, what, District 19, District 25 over there in Chapel Hill. Yes. Hills. And then we have District 65 down in... Greenville that's very active. I think our, our president is from District 25, right? Yes, so, our president, Kirk Montgomery. So Go Tar Heels. We got we to gotta do what we can to, to make him happy, right? Always, <laughs> always. So uh, any thoughts on the upcoming legislative session you want to talk about? Or I know it's a few months away, knock on wood. I mean, I think we have to watch these benefits. If anybody's listened to this and thought, none of this about the health plan really directly affects me, all of it directly affects you. Because the more expensive the health plan is for the legislature and the members, the less money there is for raises. Mm -hmm. And so it affects you. And I am concerned that, you know, there's money for raises, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to want to spend it with this outrageous spending elsewhere. And the thing is, state employees and retirees aren't to fault, are at fault for any of that. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) So most off years like this, short session years, they come back and do a, a budget kind of a, to address f- a few things. Yeah. They don't do a full so remake la- of the Yeah, budget. last year what uh, Speaker Moore told the press was, hey, we'll go back. If we have the money next year, we'll add money to the pay raise that's already forecast for this year. And I don't see how you don't. When you have a 23% vacancy rate that's not gotten better mm-hmm. for months and months, and, and the funny thing is, some people in state government actually tried to say, that's awesome. It didn't get worse. Yeah. Are you kidding? It's as bad as it's ever been in the history of state government at 23%, and some people are celebrating it's not getting worse? I mean, that's, that's nuts, and it's costing taxpayers services that they're paying for. It's costing health and safety not just of employees, but of taxpayers. So that's our argument going into the legislative session. It's insane if we don't spend the money yeah. on the pay raise. And our members would rebut that with, well, it's not getting better. Definitely not, not getting, getting better. better. So no, it's... Some of our prisons are at 60% vacancy. Absolutely, so. they are. Yes. I don't a, know that legislators even fully understand that either. Yeah. I mean, not any fault of their own, it's hard to understand the overall numbers. And those overall numbers will include positions where somebody's out on workers' comp or something like that. But that is showing as a filled position. But it's not a person who's in the prison that day. So it's kind of complicated. Yeah, just um, my brother was a correctional officer. He left because it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a a tireless, I mean, it's a a rough job for, uh, and I just, I mean, I always worried about him being like the only person on the floor. 
or something. Of course, because that's the case more times than not. And it takes more bravery than most of us could summon, but I'm glad that folks are there. I'm glad folks are willing to do probation parole work because Mm -hmm. that's also incredibly dangerous. And we have a lot of vacancies there as well. We've got vacancies everywhere, but some of them... DHHS facilities. I want to end with a question that just kind of makes gives people a little insight into scenic in general and just, you know, how, how we operate around here. And I was kind of thinking of just a random question for you to, for you to answer and, and I'll answer as well. Uh, what job have you come across in your 21 years? Was it 21? I think I, two, uh, 22, 22 years as at scenic that you were just kind of amazed at the impact that job has on the state that people maybe don't realize. And, and I asked that because the, um, the one that comes to my mind, we were doing some commercials for, remember we were doing NC Spin commercials mm-hmm. back in the day, a few, few years ago. And we came, we started looking through all the websites at the various jobs. And we came across an employee out west, and her job was to test gas pumps to make sure that people get the right amount of gas whenever they fill up. And it just seemed like such a simple job, but, uh, well, not a simple job, but I mean, it just seems very straightforward, something mm-hmm. you wouldn't think about somebody actually does. But when you think about that job, it just really affects everything. It affects everything from restaurant prices to mm-hmm. school bus budgets to your family budget. And um, every time I stop at a gas station now, I look for the Department of Agriculture permit thing there, and I, and I think about that lady. That's very. It's a very cool thing, that, yeah. and very imperative. Uh, easy for me because I wasn't even fully aware of this until the vacancy crisis. Genetic and newborn screening. Uh, folks at DHHS because nurses are have told me at multiple meetings I've been to oh my goodness the delay in the newborn screenings has put newborns at risk of more harm from conditions they might be born with and so I mean these are conditions they do metabolic screening to rule out things like cystic fibrosis, congenital heart defects, a number of other conditions. And if the sooner you catch those things, the better chance you have of treating them or of not losing the baby's life altogether. And I can't think of anything as a mom that just hit me harder than hearing about that and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, and we have chronic vacancies there and how, what kind of work could be more important than that? So that really hit me. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up because I don't think people realize the just huge amount of different jobs that state employees do. And they don't. And anything we can do to kind of They don't. In fact, nurses were telling me they weren't sure why the big delay was all of a sudden happening on newborn screening. They weren't connecting it to the the state Mm -hmm. vacancy crisis. Yeah, but that was a huge one. I remember when you brought that one to us, we were kind of brainstorming jobs and you had heard about that one and we were even like wow that's yeah that's an incredible that's an incredible amount of responsibility it is thank y'all thank y'all to everybody who everybody that works in public the public sector everywhere but special shout out today to the folks at ag who make sure we're getting the gas that says we are and those of y'all doing the newborn screening god bless y'all i thought that was a cool job I, i would actually do that job 
the gas thing. Oh, <laughs> so, I, thought, I meant, thought you meant the newborn no, screening. Not newborn. <laughs> it's like I think you had to have passed biology or something. <laughs> we'll we'll end with that, I guess. Um, hopefully, we'll get more than three or four listeners to this, but we'll we'll share it everywhere. And hopefully, uh, next next ish, next episode, you'll be you'll be excited to hear it. Um, every, thanks to everyone who listened. And um, yeah, you got anything else you want to add? Just keep doing what you do, public employees. It's important and it's appreciated. Awesome. Bye-bye, everyone.